Welcome to the Financial Fun Podcast with your host, Tammy Johnston. This is where Tammy talks with business owner parents and grandparents about the interesting and important subject of money. We promise this to be an interesting and open discussion, as that's how we learn best. And now, here's your host, author of the Financial Foundations. Financial Foundations is a series of books to teach kids about money, goal setting, and living a balanced life. Find out more at financialfund.ca. Here's Tammy Johnston. First things first, I would like to thank all of my listeners that have subscribed and reviewed my podcast and invite you to subscribe and review if you haven't yet. I appreciate you helping us to get the word out and making financial literacy a safe and welcoming subject for kids and adults. Second, please check out my podcast website, financialfund.ca, where you will be able to access past shows, find out more about me and our guests, as well as purchase the beautifully illustrated Financial Foundations books that teach kids about money in a fun, healthy, and holistic way. Hello once again, and thank you for joining us for the Financial Fun Podcast. Today, our guest is the wonderful and talented Natalie Thomas from Orange County, California. Thank you for joining us, Natalie. Well, thank you for having me, Tammy. I'm so excited to be here today. Well, it's always good to be talking to new and interesting people, and I'm very much looking forward to sharing your story with our audience. So why don't you tell us a little bit about what you do, Natalie? Well, I do several things, actually. Um, I started off being a uh, stay-at-home mom for 22 years. I homeschooled for about 10 of those years, and we lived on one income. And I went from that to running a multi-million dollar business. And that's a little bit unusual for most people. And uh, I pinch myself every day that this kind of happened. So my main business is Chance and Water. And we sell water filters and water ionizers. And water ionizers are something that's fabulous for your health. And it helps people save money in a bunch of different ways. And that's very interesting. But something that got on my heart about six years ago, I put together something called Princess Power. And I teach women and young women, teenagers, about how to budget, how to save, ways to create extra streams of income just by money that they're already spending. And um, it's just a lot of fun for me. It's exciting to be able to help people. And we have five DVDs. I'm working on my sixth DVD now and a workbook in the program. And so that's sort of where we started. Oh, you are totally a woman after my own heart there. Well, thank you. And I should mention, I also have a nonprofit foundation, that's Sparrow Waterhouse. And we help people in the areas of housing and water and um, schooling, things like that. Oh, very good. So why don't you tell us a little about your very full family situation? Well, that was a lot of fun. I'm I'm a single mom now. I have uh, my son who just turned 26 living at home. That's my middle son. But originally, I, I gave birth to two children, a boy and a girl. And when I was about 22 years old, I saw an ad in the Enquirer magazine, of all places, for a little girl that was 15 that wanted to be adopted. She wanted a family. And it just wrenched my heart. And I was only seven years older than that little girl. But I talked to my husband and we went down and we applied to adopt her. And we were just about laughed out of the Orange County adoption um, place. 
and told that we would be put on a five-year waiting list and whatever. And a few months later, I kind of looked around. We had a two-bedroom apartment. We had two kids in there. We didn't have a lot of room. We certainly didn't have a lot of money at the time, living on one income. And I said, you know, maybe we can put a crib in the bedroom and and have a foster baby. And that was the start of going into foster care. And over a period of nine years, we took in 17 different foster children and we adopted two of those. So ultimately, I parented a total of 19 children. So I, I have a daughter and three sons. And I um, have four grandchildren now. My oldest granddaughter is nearly 16 years old. And the youngest is a little boy, not quite a year old. So it's been very full. We had five and six kids at a time. Um, we're kind of the, the, the maximum for me. But that's still a lot of kids. That's, well, that's, that's a, a lot, lot of kids. <laughs> I, I calculated at one point that I have changed over 20,000 diapers. So I've paid my dues. And um am enjoying the second half of my life as a businesswoman. Oh, my goodness. And I, I have to say that there is no way in the world I would ever guess that you would be a grandmother, let alone having a teenage grandchild. <laughs> well, thank you. I appreciate that. I've, I've been drinking the alkaline ionized water for uh, 10 years now. And actually, I'm at uh, 10 and a half. And I have competitors that do say it has anti-aging properties. And a lot of times people look at me and and think that I am younger, which feels very nice. So having 19 kids go go through your house and and obviously having a passion yourself for teaching people about money, what were some of the things that you noticed that that the kids you were raising and looking after that they were asking about and, and their feelings around money? Well, at the time that I had all the children, we were living on an income. My, my husband was making $17 an hour as a security guard. And that was after working with that company for 20 years. And um, we got the, the foster care support money, which is less than a dollar an hour um, per child per day. So it's not a lot of money. It's right in the range of $19, $20 a, a, a day. Now, that, that's when it was back then when I was doing it. And so when we were having all the children, we weren't able to give the kids, um, say, allowances most of the time. There, there were times that we worked that out. Um, when my kids did begin to get jobs, things like that, I was very quick to teach them about tithing. I'm, I tithe from my first paycheck when I was, uh, 16 years old. And I always wanted to, um, have my children understand the value of that. And I attribute literally the success of my multi-million dollar business to the fact that we started tithing from every, literally we were tithing every day. Um, I just think that God rewards those who remember him and honor him. And there are many ways to tithe. You can tithe to a church or you can support other organizations or you can help out a a struggling mom that needs her car repaired, something like that. And so I've always tried to model that for my children, giving back, even even doing the foster care was something that I wanted to model to my children. I have something on my wall that says, um, you're, you can preach a better sermon with your actions than with your words. 
And the reason I have it on my wall in my bedroom is so that I can remember that every day. You know, my staff watches me, my children were watching me, and I still have that son at home that's 26 now. And I, I go back to my adult children now and say, you know, I can teach you to do a budget and I can help you to do a budget. Of course, when they first had that first paycheck, I was doing that with them then. And I was working to teach them back then, spend less than you earn. That's always hard to do. It's hard for all of us. It doesn't become easier when you get older. Um, especially you jump in and you start having kids. Um, you want to buy a home or, or things like that. There are always reasons to max out our income, but we need to learn to save. That's so important for kids to learn early. And here in Orange County, my goodness, there's so much entitlement and you'll see people, uh, give a kid, a, a 16 year old kid a Mercedes Benz. And I've never done that with my kids. I never gave any of my kids a car. They had to earn it from that first paycheck that they got. I began to say, okay, let's start saving. And in a couple of years, when you're ready to drive, you'll have some money towards your first car. No, I completely agree with that. I remember. Um, even before I met my husband, I was working um, behind one of our wealthier high schools, and it used to blow my mind when you'd see, you know when the bells would let out, and yes, you'd see these 16, 17-year-olds driving Porsches and BMWs and the Mercedes, and not just the, the entitlement on, on the money. They don't have the driving skills to safely handle machines. How oh, powerful. Heavens, this is true. But I don't think we've done our children any favors when we haven't let them earn things. And we haven't taught them the value of things. And, you know, video games were just coming in when my kids were young. And, you know, I could buy a board game for under $10 and each little video game cartridge was $50. Yeah. And everybody was just pouring that stuff into their kids. And we're starting to see the results 20 years later here in the United States where, you know, they basically want a welfare state. They want socialism and they don't understand the price that their children and grandchildren will pay the trillions of dollars of debt that our nation is racking up. Um, I believe it's on a daily basis. It's unbelievable numbers. And that price will have to be paid at some point, and people are not understanding that. And while you don't want to scare children and you don't want to um, give them a sense of hopelessness, a knowledge that things need to be earned is very important. Oh, I'm, I'm very big on that. There's been quite a few studies that I've read about, and just my personal experience of, of meeting some of these young adults and stuff like that. And, and they're very depressed for the simple fact that, like you said, they've never had to earn anything. Mom and dad always provide it. They don't have any basic life skills. Like there's so many articles that are coming out or like, okay, 50 things I wish I'd known before I graduated high school and money and like mm -hmm. how, how to handle money and different things like that how to deal with conflict because their parents isolate them from so many things that could potentially be painful or difficult so they don't learn how to cope with those. And and basic life skills. One of the things that um, I've been watching your election down in the States because it's kind of hard to miss being the um, <laughs> entertainment that it is. 
it's embarrassing. It, it's embarrassing what's going on. Yeah, I can completely understand that. But one of the things that I'm, I'm quite liking is there's so many of the young people that are getting involved and asking the questions and going, yes, we're in debt. How did we get here? And, and, and starting to go against these politicians and asking the hard questions. Like, you can't put two, two wars that are costing trillions of dollars on the credit card. This is true. This, this is true. And, you know, speaking of credit cards, oh my gosh, that's one of the things that I've always wanted to impart to kids. Um, don't jump in and get credit cards. You know, I remember back, um, when I moved into my first apartment and had to buy a refrigerator and the refrigerator cost, uh, $300 and I made $3 and 33 cents an hour. And of course people laugh about those numbers now, but it's all, all relative. And it took me three years to pay off that refrigerator. And the other thing I put on a credit card was I had to have some anesthesia for uh, some dental procedure that was being done that wasn't covered. And that was also about $300. And that took me years to pay off. And at the time, I was the sole support of my husband and my daughter and myself. And kids just don't understand the power of interest and how dangerous it can be. And we need to tell them about stuff like that, how simple it is. And um, I know that with one of my sons, one of the challenges is um, overdraft charges when he's, you know, bouncing something on his debit card. You know, it's so much easier um, back in the day when we were using checks and, and then that debit card, you just whip that thing out and you're not realizing that, well, yes, you have a balance in the bank, but <laughs> you, also you may have already had some expenditures out there. And uh, that's why when I teach budgeting, I use an envelope system. That's what I used back when I had the um, 19 kids go through my home. My husband was getting paid every two weeks and we got the foster care money once a month. Well, I had to have that last for a month. Mm-hmm. And I started out with envelopes and I would go to the bank and I would literally know how many fives I needed, how many twenties I needed, how many tens. And I would separate it out because there were things I needed to save to pay for that only happened once a year or twice a year. And so rather than get hit with that later on, I budgeted all the way through the year. I budgeted all the way through the year for what I was going to spend for Christmas. And my Christmas budget was $300 that included gifts for everybody. And my $300 actually included my birthday gifts for the entire year as well and our food for our holiday. Yes. And, you know, I put away $25 a month to be able to do that, I think was my number off the top of my head. But when I went into big business and all of a sudden I've got $250,000 in the bank account, you can't quite do that with envelopes, but I devised a little bucket system within my accounting system that all my money is actually in one account, but visually I have them off in buckets separated so I know how much money I have for what. So I love that life is precept upon precept. And if we keep teaching our children early, like you're doing with your books, that the rewards will pay off later and things will click later when they're doing something different that seems unrelated. 
oh yeah, I'm. You have to build that foundation, and once once you've got the foundation, like you said, I love how you're talking about the envelopes because I teach the same system: envelopes, jars, whatever. Once mm-hmm. they've got those basics, then it doesn't matter what the size amount. You just okay, it's 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 bigger buckets. And I love also how you you say, yeah, you need to be planning out for the year. So many people when they're because I do a ton of budget counseling. And one of the things I always go over, you have to put, what are your expenses throughout the year? Like you have to register your car, but that only happens once a year. Your AMA membership once a year. Um, those things like oil changes and, and, and tires and those those expenses that aren't every single month, but you know that they're going to come. And if you don't plan for those, those are the things that are going to get you in trouble. And You're absolutely right. Where, where you're down in, down in the States, like it totally and completely blows my mind because we, we have socialized health care and having to pay for anesthesia and stuff like that. Like we can't even wrap our heads around. (laughs) (laughs) It it is, it is different. I, I know exactly what you mean. And, and the bills here that we face medically can be just horrific and devastating. And you can be in the hospital for nine days and get a hundred thousand dollar bill. Oh, easily. And, or, 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 fewer days and and get a greater bill uh my daughter was in the hospital when she was 12 years old she never got a bed she was there 26 hours and i think they charged over a thousand dollars an hour for the time that she was there yeah and like i said she didn't even get a bed she was in a hallway it it, it was just ridiculous but it, it is what we have to do and you live with that. And right now we're in a time of our society where homes are just so outrageous. And I know that for me, owning a home was such a big deal. It was something I wanted. I started saving from my very first paycheck to own a home. And then when I was 17, I got the option to go to Europe. I went to five countries in 28 days. I spent $1,200 to do that. And my grandmother was so proud of me because half of my trip was from um, my little school in Los Angeles, and the other half was kids from Encino, which is a very wealthy area. And those kids were wiring home for more money and buying $600 leather jackets and all this kind of stuff. And I don't remember the exact number of cash that I took with me. Actually, I remember back in those days, it was, um, oh, now I can't think of the word. It's fake cash that you buy at the bank checks. Oh, traveler's Um, checks. Traveler's checks. Thank you. Okay. And I came home with $200 left over. I bought gifts for everybody. I came home with $200 left over and paid my car insurance. And she was so proud of me. But my original plan had been to buy a home and rent it out because I knew, you know, I didn't have enough money to, um, make the payments and everything. But that's, you know, where home ownership started in my heart back at 16 years old. That's exceptional. But, but because of my choice to marry young, have children young and um, live on one income, stay home and take care of my kids. I didn't own an actual home until I was 50 years old. That changed things a bit, didn't it? And it did. And my daughter, I'm very proud to say, bought her first home the year before I did. And she bought an amazing, beautiful um, model home. And she was able to get that for $181,000 because um, she 
kind of moved out to the sticks to be able to do that. <laughs> location, and location, location. <laughs> absolutely. And she just sold that, um, made a couple hundred thousand dollars of profit on it. So it's been, I'm going to say about five or six years of home ownership. And she very wisely just moved to Texas and bought a home. Um, she, first of all, she paid off all her debt. She yep. paid off her card, her car, her credit cards, and, um, put a massive down payment on the home there in Texas and has a payment now that is just slightly over half of what she was paying before. So that was a simple way that she said, you know, homeownership here in California is out of reach and I want my children to be able to own a home. So I'm going to take them somewhere else and, you know, I'm going to have a better lifestyle now by having less financial pressure. And I thought, wow, you know, I mean, it's hard to have my daughter and my grandchildren away from me, but I really respect and value the decisions that she made. Well, those, those are really good decisions. And, and one of the things, because so much of our culture has become so materialized because kids and adults, everything's being advertised to us and you need to get this to make yourself happy and all that. Mm. So our society, the way things are set up, it's to get us in as much debt as we can service, period. And then yeah. people, yeah. so many people buy into that, unfortunately, and then they don't realize all the different pressures and the stresses that go along with it and the, the damage it does to relationships like marriages oh, yeah. and families. Absolutely. It breaks up marriages and it breaks up families and, and children growing up without both parents. I don't care what society tries to tell you. Um, I, I can only look at here in the United States. You know, when I was young, um, the next door neighbor was a divorcee. And it was a really big deal because it was a really rare thing, you know, and they would talk about her and they would use that terrible word divorcee. And you never hear that word now because everybody's divorced. And, you know, people don't say, families are the odd ones. <laughs> you know, pe people would say, I'm, uh, they don't even say I'm divorced here. They say I'm single, you know, <laughs> it's like, oh, okay. <laughs> um, but what happens to the kids when these pressures have gone on and families are always, always financially devastated in a divorce. Um, somebody would have to be very, very, very rich to be able to continue the same lifestyle they had after a divorce. It, it's just practically an impossibility. And I make the joke that love is grand. Divorce is a hundred thousand plus, plus, plus. <laughs> Well, you know, and, and while I am here talking about divorce, I will disclose to you, I've been divorced twice. Now, I, I um, was married for 22 years the first time. I was married for 10 years the second time. Uh, the second husband had a baby with another woman on our 10th anniversary while we we're still married. Uh, the first husband decided to jump ship for another woman. And I didn't divorce either man. I worked very hard to save my marriages. I very, I believe very much in marriage. And I really wanted to stand before God with clean hands and be able to have tried everything to save it. And God has blessed me and he's protected me and he's provided for me. But I've gotten to see firsthand every angle of what divorce is like and how it financially affects you. And you just, you know, made the joke about finances. Well, 
The only thing that my second husband and I had was the business that we had built together from scratch, Chance and Water. And when you go to a divorce attorney here in California, and I, I will say I did both of my divorces without um, attorneys, okay, which is rare here. People don't do that. I, I bought a book. I read the book. I filled out the papers. They were divorcing me, but I had to respond. And I just said, you know what, let's just make this easy and you know but we were advised um my second husband and i that it would cost 30 to a hundred thousand dollars to do our divorce if we went through attorneys and the people that i was looking around and seeing um an attorney can drag a divorce out three to five years oh it's because it's in their it's it's in their interest to make it as as painful and 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 drawn out as possible absolutely and it's a absolute waste you know, if you've absolutely decided you're not going to be with that person or they've decided that they're not going to be with you, why not just come to an equitable agreement? And if you have children, for the sake of the children, I, I had a conversation with my 22-year-old son the other day. I said, I have never, ever said a bad thing about your father to you, ever, have I? And he said, no, mom, you never have. You know, I loved him. We had 22 amazing years. I would have loved to have grown old with him. It didn't happen, but I was not going to do anything to damage his relationship with our children. And people can do terrible things. You know, he went through a period of time, a long period of time, where he didn't pay child support. And um, my second husband says, oh, don't let him see the kids. No, I'm not going to hurt my children because of somebody else's choice if 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 it's within my power mm-hmm. well there's there's somebody cannot be a good spouse but they could still be a good parent and unfortunately i i've seen i've dealt with divorce so much with clients and and, and family and stuff like that and the damage that can be done when you're dealing with one one parent that's either crazy and i have seen that like they're completely off their rocker or they're just vindictive and they'll use the kids as weapons. If I'm not going to get my way, I will take, I will use the kids. It's true. And, and that, that is the most painful thing that I've seen because how, how can a lot of the kids, especially depending on when the parents were doing it, they never really recover because they're doing it in such important developmental stages of their children. You know, my kids were older. Um, the the youngest one wasn't my my husband left um six weeks after we finalized the adoption on the youngest one and he was about three at the time we fought five years to save the marriage we did not divorce immediately uh with my second husband we were separated three and a half years i was fighting to save the marriage and we were working together in the business um regularly and i was really praying and asking god uh for uh restoration but my um, oldest daughter, when my first husband left, was 17, and um, then the kids went down from there. But I can still say that it hurt them, and it was difficult for them. And the youngest one still would love to see us get back together. But when my second husband divorced me, my daughter and her husband, who at that time well, gosh, she was still in her 30s, were trying to get me back together with my first husband. Uh, yeah. And 
well, you know, I love and honor what we had together. You know, there are things when somebody cheats on you and doesn't pay child support, things like that, that it changes your respect level, you know. And I'm not going to say that to them. And actually, there's kind of a comical story here. Um, He, I I had to go to court with him because I was forgiving $80,000 worth of back child support. And so we were in court and we were talking and I knew some things about his present marriage that, or present marriage at the time that with the woman that he had left me for. And I knew that uh, he considered her crazy and that um, his best friend had offered to let him come live with him. Our daughter had offered to let him come live with her. I was kind of having a conversation with him and he didn't divulge very much. Um, You know, we're still friends and we talk about things, but he was kind of closed lip. Well, what happened was when she went to work the next day, um, his best friend pulled up a truck and he moved out and he left her a note and he said, I'm leaving. I'm never coming back. File for divorce. You know, that kind of thing. Well, she didn't know where he went. His mom didn't know where he went. And my daughter calls me up and I'm at work and she says, Mom, they think because you saw each other yesterday that he left her and went back to you. <laughs> and for some reason, I, I, I people here, I have a 52, 5,800 square foot facility here and they could hear me just laughing hysterically down <laughs> the halls because I just thought that was the well, funniest thing in the world. <laughs> you know, well, that somebody would think that you just see somebody and magically, you know, <laughs> that's, that's, that's Jerry Springer stuff here. <laughs> it is kind of, yeah. But, but it, it's still, you know, it goes to the kids, their hope never dying to, you know, the other part of the story, not yeah. the second part. Yes. Yes, that's so true. So I, I have I have a question because you hear about it so much down in the states that student debt is actually worse than mortgage debt and stuff down there. Have mm-hmm. have, have you been seeing much with that, or have had, did any of your kids have to get student loans to go to school? You know, my kids, uh, all but my daughter, did not go to college, and I. That's really partly my fault in that I knew we couldn't afford it and I didn't encourage it. Um, the younger three weren't really inclined that way. My, my daughter went to some, um, dental training. I'm, I'm huge on trade schools. I think that's a really good choice for people rather than spending all this time at a university when they don't even know what they want to do. So I don't have a lot of experience with, um, people with student debt. I have a friend right now talking about going back to school and saying, yeah, I'm, you know, 40 something years old and it's going to cost me a hundred thousand dollars. And you know, what do you think? And it just like, for me, those are big numbers. And I personally encourage people, if you really want to make money, business ownership is the way to go. You know, my granddaughter right now, who's going to be turning 16 in October, uh, wants to be a nurse. And I talked to her about it and I said, you know, as somebody who will be a mom in the future, that's a really hard lifestyle to have and have kids. And, you know, the pay is okay. It's not great. And, you know, you have skills. She, she has writing skills and she has computer skills and she has Photoshop skills. And I said, you can do work that will make you a lot more money and give you a lot more freedom 
And I love the idea of teaching people um, that they can, there are kinds of businesses that they can have, but they can work from a computer anywhere in the world that they can get an internet connection. Um, one of my funny stories is a trip that I took to uh, the Bahamas, and I got there the day before uh, Hurricane Sandy. And that was quite an adventure. I'd never been in a hurricane before. And it made for a very interesting vacation. Um, they built the um, airport there below sea level. So it flooded. And when it was unflooded, there were dead fish everywhere. It took five extra days to get out. And I'm sure everybody's seen these travel brochures of these romantic vacations with the empty beach and the couple walking down the beach. And you never get that in real life because you go to a tourist spot and the beach is crowded with people. Mm -hmm. Well, I got to have that. Only I was by myself. So it wasn't that fun. Um, but I worked in the hurricane under a palapa because I didn't check with the resort before I went. They didn't have Wi-Fi in the rooms. They only had it um, in the palapa. So back at that time, I was still married with my ex-husband, and it was very important to constantly be working. And uh, my life is a little more balanced now. But it's a wonderful thing to be able to experience adventure and build that into your life. And just because we're born in Canada or the United States doesn't mean we have to stay here. I'm looking at Costa Rica, which is a much less expensive place to live. And if someone were to have a business where, you know, they could teach English online or they could do writing online or run their blog or their affiliate program, things like that, you can live. They have, they have a saying in Costa Rica, pura vida, which means pure life. And they say it all over the place there. And it's beautiful and it's a much slower paced life. But if you get tired of the cold in Canada or you get tired of the rat race in L.A., you have options if you've built your own business. And for your kids that you're teaching, they can start learning those skills now that they can take with them. You know, they can read books they can work on the computer. They can take courses online. And it's a much better lifestyle, in my opinion, than going to school, getting a degree, going to work for some corporation, and being under somebody else's thumb. Oh, I, com I completely agree. The way technology has changed, as you said, as long as you've got an internet connection, you can do so much and, and travel and one of the things I absolutely love is my smartphone because mm -hmm. I can get my email and, and stuff on there and, and I can go and volunteer at my daughter's school or, or okay, we're going to take the day off. But if something comes up, I can, you know what, I can handle that for a few minutes rather than, okay, I need to be locked in the office and stuff like that. And, and there's lots of things. There's nothing wrong with going out and getting the degree if you want to be a nurse or a doctor or something that needs that. But there's so many that, mm -hmm. yes, they put so much time and and hundreds of thousands of dollars into debt and going, you're not going to pay that off until you're 70. <laughs> uh, I, I, I know. And, you know, I just went through the experience of, um, you know, buying my ex-husband's shares of the business. And it cost me over $100,000. And I had to borrow on my retirement to be able to do that. And I actually borrowed on my grandmother's credit cards as well. You know, and it took a few years to pay that off. And I 
was already established in a business. I can't imagine starting out your life with student debt heavy on your shoulders. Um, it, it's not something that I would ever encourage unless somebody was just dead set, you know, from the time they're five years old, they wanted to be a doctor and it's their life mission. And, you know, even but then, even, you know, even then there's ways that they can be done rather than going into all the debt and stuff. And, and, and that's what I would encourage. Find those ways. You know, I read, uh, just coming back from my vacation, uh, I, at the airport bought a book on, I don't know how you pronounce his first name, so I may not get this wrong. Elian Musk. Have you heard of him? Oh, yes, of course. Tesla. <laughs> oh my gosh. SpaceX. <laughs> yes. You know, and, and it's interesting because I kind of have teeny tiny little ties to, to all of them because, um, I, I have a deposit on a, um, Tesla that'll be coming out in 18 months. And I want to, I want to remember to talk to you about something else that's happening in 18 months with my son's car, because that'll, that'll play into finances. But, um, I, I have a, um, deposit on his model three. Um, my son-in-law briefly worked at SpaceX and is hoping to, um, work for them again now that he's moving to Texas. And I really want solar. And I had Solar City, um, look at my home and tell me that I don't get enough sun, which is unfortunate. But he owns major shares in Solar City as well and actually encouraged his cousins. They were looking for a business and he says, well, this is what you need to do. And I just find the average Joe. Our kids are probably not going to become an Elon Musk, all right? But this man was a little off as a kid, a little weird, didn't connect real well with other people, but he read. And he read the entire library and then started in on the encyclopedias. And that's how he educated himself. And I always told my children, because I, I homeschooled for many years, I said, you can be anything you want. You can become a rocket scientist if you want to, or an astronaut just by reading. Well, ironically, that's how Elon Musk did it. And um, I do think he went to Stanford. I don't want to take that away from him. Um, but brilliant, brilliant man to be able to uh, be CEO of two companies, uh, billionaire, and I believe he's only about 35 years old now. And he's, he's not very old. You know, fascinating, fascinating read um, that I would highly recommend to um, anybody. So let me tell you the, the 18-month car. So I'm leasing uh, two cars right now, and it's sort of a weirder story. I um, leased one for an employee that turned it down, so I'm now driving a Honda, which wasn't my intention. Um, but the other one, my uh, 26-year-old son drives. And he works at my office um, doing the the cleaning. What I figured out was what I was paying to have my offices cleaned was the equivalent of that payment. And so I let go of the cleaning company, hired him to do it. But I've been telling him recently, now, here's the deal. This lease is up in 18 months. You need to start saving money now, either to purchase another car outright or to put a down payment on a car. I'm preparing him now that when that lease is up, we're not going to continue our relationship in that area and that he has to fit into his budget now. We talked about, well, should I save $50 out of every paycheck? And I said, yeah, that's probably a good idea. And then I went, no, here's the math. The car, if you buy that car, is going to cost you $13,188. Yep. 
And so if you start putting $100 in out of every paycheck, not only do you have a larger down payment, but you also have the money to cover the payment and you've built it in and it's not a surprise to you later. It's not a difficulty to you later. So that's something that he's working on. And those are things, you know, you said jars earlier. I remember when I started him out with his first paycheck, we used jars. He didn't use envelopes. He used jars. And he so hated it that he had to save some of that money. He wanted to spend it. You know, but when he got to buy that car, uh, the first one, he was pretty proud of the fact that it was his money. Yeah. And I was too because, you know, I wasn't prepared to go around giving all my kids cars. Yeah. No, that's huge. Well, thank you so much for joining us today. This has been great. Well, my pleasure. And uh, we'll be talking again soon because we're going to have you over on my podcast. Well, I look forward to that. Have a wonderful day. Well, thank you and God bless you. Bye-bye. Before we leave each other, I would ask all of you listening to please subscribe to and rate my podcast. A review would be most appreciated and feedback is always welcome. Whether it be a comment, future topic suggestions, and or questions you or your kids would like to have answered in the Ask Tammy column on the financialfund.ca website. Please feel free to check me out on Facebook at Financial Foundation's Children's Books, on Twitter at Financial Fund, and Instagram at Financial.Fun. Thank you for joining us for this episode of the Financial Fund Podcast. Join Tammy Johnston again next week. For more information, please visit financialfund.ca.